I've switched up to King's Indian thanks to Oman. Oh, there we go. I've also made my way through the hippo, <laughs> so we'll see what I can do. Good. That's a good combo. Can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hovering around 900, so think about growing the beard out till I hit 1,000. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> attainable. Yeah, it's attainable. Beard's not a bad look on you, Thank so, you, you yeah. know, <laughs> you make it work a little better than I was. You never Just trimmed hard. really, though. Right. No, yeah, you actually take care of your beard. Mine was like a punishment, so I intentionally just like... That's well, right, it was a motivator for you. It was a mangy thing, yeah. But it's like you always say when you're watching the tutorials, it's like, oh, uh, it's so easy, I get what he's doing, and then, boom, get get crushed. Flush. <laughs> so. Didn't mean to lead you on. No, no, it's a lot to learn. I, I had it coming. Welcome to Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, director of content at Steinway & Sons and editor-in-chief of the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. If you enjoy Soundboard, please rate, review, and subscribe to it wherever you pod your casts. My guests today are chess grandmasters Amon Hambleton and Eric Hansen principal hosts at Chessbra, which serves up chess content and tutorials on the Chessbra channels on Twitch and YouTube. Go watch! These bras are based in Toronto, but I caught up with them in a hotel lobby in Berlin on their Chessbra Europe tour. Let's start with techno and then segue into chess. So in the 90s, I got into techno via Plastic Man. You know that guy, Richie Houghton? His alias, yes. British-Canadian? Yep, from um, Windsor. That's right. So that's where I really started to appreciate different lines receding and coming forward in techno. Um, that and Brian Eno's Music for Airports, which sought out music that you could completely tune into or completely ignore. Mm. So you guys run techno music under your chess bra streams, whether you're playing or teaching viewers new openings. Does the accompanying techno help your chess in the sense of helping you lock into alpha waves like archers do before they release an arrow and get in the zone? Or is it just a vibe, just an aesthetic? I guess I've never thought about it actively like that. I've never thought about tuning in or tuning out of it, but short answer has to be yes. Like if I measured my success or how much I enjoy playing with and without music, specifically techno, I play way better with techno music. I don't think it's comparable. We've always joked that we would be, uh, especially Eric, would be a much stronger player. You know, maybe world contender if he's allowed to listen to techno uh, <laughs> during the games. So I think it's definitely an augment, but I don't think I've really actively thought about tuning in and tuning out of the sounds because we've been doing it for so long and listening to techno nonstop while we're streaming that it's, it's kind of second nature at this point. So maybe it's just always tuned in or always tuned out. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I think for me, it definitely helps, but it's just kind of related to dealing with ADHD interests and managing the competitive aspect of that. Just having a background noise, but music that I like and you know mainly minimal without too many lyrics so that there's not as much very variance in it i'm able to i feel focused a bit better just to have something in the background i mean i wasn't doing it as like a science project just generally like the music and i'm just trying to find a consistency in my thoughts because it's just very erratic and chaotic growing up or just in general and so i like the bpm of techno 
because oftentimes, you know, the longer I'm thinking, the more inefficient my thoughts thoughts become. So having something pretty fast paced and without like too much variation with lyrics and things like that, I'm able to to I get that kind of state of hyper focus, which uh, for blitz chess and bullet chess is kind of the peak. And everyone has tries to find their own method of getting into like locked in, where you're just like pretty much only thinking about the game and not thinking about your own thoughts or what you hear around. And, and I found it's been pretty useful for that. Eric, you mentioned ADHD, and I know that Blitz and Bullet has helped you with that, right? Is that because it's shorter periods of hyper-focus? Well, it's, it's easier because, yeah, you don't you simply don't have as much time to think, so you're relying off of intuition, and they're intuition-based time controls because you don't have enough time to calculate. Then you don't have time to think about other things. So it's a time control that forces you to, to not think so much and rely on intuition and instincts. I've seen you guys get into this zone on stream sometimes. Like Eric, you'll stare up to the right for 50 seconds and then announce to the viewers, hey, I have a forced mate in 15 moves. And then you're drawing arrows and 15 moves later, lo and behold, there it is. Yeah, it's more universal among like high level chess players, but it's still kind of some of the same logic is that it can be once you've mastered a level visualization, more efficient to calculate in your head uh, as opposed to a physical board where visualizing pieces physically moving it's a larger set if your visualization improves and you can do it they look at the roof because there's nothing moving on the roof sometimes players will look straight ahead and stuff and lots of top players can still just you know gaze but they're not actually looking they're just thinking in their head but the roof is often just picked because it's static and you just want to think about what's in your head. So it's still similar in that you're just trying to find that happy place where you're able to just only think about the position. One might be visual, the roof, one might be audio, which could be music. There's a reason they yeah. uh, they use that in the Queen's Gambit yes. as well. Where she stares up to the ceiling. Exactly. I'm assuming it's in a little bit of reference to what Eric was just saying, is that her thing was visualizing on the roof with tranquilizers but <laughs> you know no tranks required for you guys no 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 not yet okay. not yet yeah i think there's that famous scene in that, that old chess movie searching for bobby fisher which is uh, just a classic like can't remember how many times i've watched it when i was younger and he's learning from this you know abrasive style coach and he's just not solving the puzzle and then finally the coach gets frustrated and slams all the pieces off the board so it's just a blank board in front of him and then he says now solve it and and of course he's confused at first like first of all who's this abusive man um you know what is his coaching style but eventually he stumbles on the answer and quite quickly because it's just no distractions tunes everything out which is what we were talking about earlier it's easier to solve that way you look away you're kind of just like trying to find a blank slate Mate is four moves from the position in front of you. Don't move until you figure it out in your head. Don't look to me for a hint. I can't do it without moving the pieces. Yes, you can. Clear the lines of men in your head, one at a time, and the king will be left standing alone, like a guy on a street corner. Here, I'll make it easier for you.
1968. Yes. I think we're kind of talking about photographic memory, right? Like, if you see interviews with great NBA players, say LeBron James or Larry Bird, where Bird is like, yeah, there were three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Mikhail threw an outlet past Parrish, and I was in the high post, and Kareem intercepted. Mm -hmm. And similarly, I've seen both of you say something like, oh yeah, last time I played Hikaru in 2020, he played... I don't know, pawn D4, but the next move was knight D3. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's like, maybe part of it's natural, but a lot of it's definitely developed. It's not something you start off doing. And But yeah, I've noticed that as well. Talk about the really cerebral athletes, the ones that, like, as you mentioned, like LeBron, that the vision, they're really seeing everything happen. Court vision and board vision. There are some, I'm sure there are some parallels there, but it's also just also the drive to prove your game forces you to try to recall and think about what went wrong at the moment and trying to go back and, and play it back and you have to force yourself to do that as well and, and get better at it through that way it's not it gets developed to like to a level where the precision is, is high enough i imagine there's a lot of stamina that comes with that uh, i mean just as an awful 900 you know you start losing games at night it's like it's like you're at the blackjack table <laughs> oh I've, I've been at the, you picked a very interesting reference because i've really been at the blackjack table <laughs> those nights they're just the cards are just coming and coming. not hidden for you. Does one gain stamina in chess uh, as one would in any sport just by pounding away at it? You definitely uh, feel something in in chess that's hard to measure, which is kind of like momentum. If you're on a, a good streak, it doesn't really when you flip a coin and it's heads nine times. You know, the the tenth time is a, it's still the same likelihood of heads or tails, but it feels like it should be heads. And so it definitely feels like that when you're on a win streak, you just, you're feeling it. You're in the zone and you want to keep going. As I've gotten older as a, as a chess player, I've definitely noticed the stamina thing a little bit more. Yeah, the, the longer I sit there, it's tough for me to sit down and play long classical chess games where, you know, it can go five plus hours. That is just tougher for me to do. Um, so maybe, maybe that's why it's felt more comfortable streaming and playing online because it's it's quicker in terms of the format. I've felt the stamina kick in over the years because chess right now is just dominated by young players with stamina. I mean, they have a lot of a lot of good attributes, but stamina is definitely one of them. They're energetic. They can just play long matches. They're always in there to find the ultimate solution. Whereas like at my level and age, it might be like, oh, okay, you know, looks a little complicated from here on out. Maybe just call it a draw or call it a day. But the kids are out there to find absolute truth in the position and they're, they just can put in so many more hours than, than others. They wear you down. <laughs> they definitely, they do. Yeah, I mean, there's also just that factor with chess and maybe some other hobbies, but chess is a very addictive game. It's, it's, uh, it's addictive, so it's a bit easier to have a stand that everyone's had gone on tilt. So easy to get a game, so easy to play a game, so easy to keep playing games. Combine that with addiction, whether you're new to chess or an experienced player, like if you're an experienced player, you've gone through many you know, periods of eight to 10 hour sessions of chess potentially through that process. And so, yeah, the kids have more time to do that, but I think a lot of people can kind of relate to the very addictive part of chess where the brain is just, even when you're tired, you're like, I have I have to play. That sometimes it helps people improve because it forces them to keep playing and they, they would spend more time than they otherwise would. But the brain does get tired, so it's a bit of a balance there. And, and yeah, with the kids and, 
and those malleable brains and, and extra time, I mean, sure, they're generally going to have more stamina. But I think it's something that's a bit at least universal that if you've experienced that chest addiction, you'll, you'll understand like, how time can just disappear. Mm-hmm. Like, we were playing for five hours, so I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Like, it's, it's just happened. It's definitely part of it. Just being addicted to playing on the computer as a kid. Now I'm an adult, but... There's definitely a parallel to computer gaming. Yes, 100%. Like playing Zelda at 2 in the morning yeah. as a kid. Now playing chess at 2 in the morning, losing games. It's like, okay, time to time to shut it down. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I always say there's worse things you can be addicted to. That's like a good reminder at all times. Like chess is on the healthier side, but nevertheless, it's firmly still an addiction. I remember watching a Bobby Fischer interview where he says, I hate chess because... For him, it had devolved to memorization and opening theory and wrecked his love of chess. I hate chess. I hate chess. Really. You hate chess? Yeah. Why do you hate chess? Being the probably and possibly the best chess player ever. How does... How, because how does I, it... I know what chess is all about. Yeah. It's all about memorization. It's all about prearrangement. But creativity. Creativity. Yeah, creativity is lower down on the list. The old chess is you're banging your head against the wall with this theory. The, you, are, you are trying to find some little improvement on move you know, 18 or 20. It's ridiculous. It gets harder and harder and harder. You need more and more computers. You need more and more people working for you. you, you know. And less so and what? less talent. Yeah, and less and less uh, enjoyment, everything. Why? Why? And I wonder if we can draw a parallel between that sentiment and Magnus Carlsen's lack of motivation to defend his world championship title, which he ultimately relinquished. And finally, to Eric's catchphrase when he's playing on stream, which is, is this theory? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like that I mentioned quite a bit. It's one of those things, like, it's a bit of a joke. Like, there's different kinds of memory. I don't know all the terms, but... Usually when I when I say that, there's like the really exact type of memory recall and that's usually what I'm referring to where it's like, is that the book move? But otherwise, for the most part, there's a significant amount of pattern recognition and it usually means like, yeah, I think I'm familiar with this. I'm trying to actually be exact in my recall and that's where the disconnect is. Okay. Whereas who I'm playing has it ingrained and maybe they've studied it recently. Whereas for me, it's a bit hazy. It's like familiar, I'm trying to connect it and I'm thinking out loud. Yeah, pattern recognition is a really big factor there, but now these days with the way computers are in preparation, intuition, you know, that's a big part, but they've solved quite a bit of the opening stage that you can't be questioning. You need to know for sure how to respond to this or that. And and if you make the wrong connection in your head where it's like, I think it was that, I mean, it might be game over. So I'm usually trying to figure out with myself speaking out loud, is that something I really know? Or, or not, because that will greatly influence my decision. Because I'm not sure I want to gamble and assume it's theory. Even if I have a high probability of being right, that 10, 20% chance that I'm playing the wrong move might be just the game being over. So it's just one of the parts where I, I'm verbalizing my, my fear of current state of preparation in chess, where it's so exact uh, in some, some lines where it's purely memorization, which is the part of the game that I dislike the most by far. Do you feel the same way, Amon? Yeah, maybe maybe I'm just a little jaded now. But I think I think uh, I 
earned my grandmaster title at an interesting point in chess because I, I still feel like if I was a couple rating points away or a one grandmaster norm away from the whole title right now, I'm not sure I'd make it because it's, it's just such a different game than it was five years ago when I became a grandmaster and I'm happy that I did right when I did because I feel like if it had been one year later, the landscape changed so much even in that short period of time. I don't know if I'm cut out for, for what it is right now, which is yeah, definitely a lot more work, a lot more memorization, a lot more theory, so many more resources available online. And obviously I won't speak for Magnus, but I think it's a very fair hypothesis that he's been very outspoken, not super interested in the long form classical wise not terribly motivated to defend his world championship title because of that prep process he is the best player right now uh, maybe ever uh, depending on how many arguments you want to get into at a bar but i think he's able to showcase the difference between himself and his competitors better in a shorter time format like it's more evident how much stronger he is than other players when you shorten the time controls. And to some degree, you're not able to see just how dominant he is in these longer formats. And he knows it's part of the part of the system. But I, I can feel there's a shift, not just with him, but in general, there's more tournaments uh, online now. There's hybrid events, uh, shorter time controls, tons more rapid and blitz. And yeah, classical is still there and it's the purest form but I found myself more interested even in spectating and playing in more shorter formats, like rapid 15 minutes, 25 minutes, or even blitz three or five minutes. Let's stick with Magnus for just one second because it takes us to the difference between chess players and players with an M in their title and players with an M in their title and GMs or grandmasters, and then grandmasters versus so-called super GMs and then there's Magnus Carlsen, who beats all the Super GMs regularly. Can we quantify what it is that permits him to dominate like this? Am I overstating it? No, I mean, I think most people consider him probably the greatest of all time, and if not, tied for first or number two behind Kasparov, but on his way to, to cementing number one. I get asked that a lot, and it's been a few interesting years because I've had the opportunity to play him competitively a lot more in the last few years, and also spent a lot of time and, but I've always told people, even when I knew him five, ten years ago, like, you can't properly quantify it. It is very hard, yeah, because he has a natural ability, but he also, like, you know, still works really hard. I think, kind of, interesting point about what Amon was just mentioning is, I like playing Magnus because he refuses to try to play very theoretical against me because he's kind of trying to challenge himself, even though, and I get lots of interesting positions, and I maybe even had some of the results I would have had, or positions I would have had. He just had to play what he had to study for the championship match, but he doesn't like winning that way. He kind of is being a bit bored of chess, especially the theoretical part that his challenge is to trying to play, just beat somebody, you know, without that opening advantage and just find some new things to learn about and enjoy about the game, which which has been nice for me to play against. Just just enjoying the game without the memorization. But in terms of Magnus and quantifying it. Hard to pinpoint something specifically. He has a tremendous ability in certain areas, uh, certain types of memory, which is pretty well documented. But I still 
can't really quantify how his intuition is so precise and so efficient that he, it, it is intuition that he can uh, cut through bad moves and find the best move intuitively, like sooner than other players, just more accurately. And, and everyone has studied as much as him in terms of rivals. It's really not that he's like spent more time than his competition. So can't look at that. He didn't start earlier than his competition. Like we're comparing him with the other greatest players of all time. They're all pretty young GMs and all have resources. But uh, I tell people these days, he absorbs information more efficiently than anyone I've ever seen when it comes to chess information. And when I mean that, you can look at a hundred moves and pluck out one or two moves that maybe he's not too familiar with and instantly upload it to his brain. And just do it without like just glancing out of position and just, it just only the good stuff comes there and it also maintains some sort of process in the uploading of that. And, and that's why he has a very good universal style. Like he's just able to consume uh, chess knowledge at a, at a pretty impressive rate um, while still enjoying other things. Like it's, but I don't know how, how, how that happens, but <laughs> it's impressive to see in action. I tell the story that earlier this year, we're just watching NBA because he likes it just on my couch, watching NBA game and there's long breaks and it's a halftime show, long commercials. I have a book just uh, sitting on the desk there that I once in a while pick up. I, I do read a little bit these days for fun, but I'm slowly getting through it. And he's like, oh, oh you have this book. I'm like, yeah. And then he like picks it up and he scrolls through the pages. like Speed reads. Speed reads it, but like scans it. I'd say scan because there's a halftime show and we're still chatting. And he puts it down after a couple minutes, but he scans it. I see him scan a couple pages where he like, Keeps his gaze, and then next day he plays and he beats Hikaru with kind of a maneuver that was referenced in this game, which is referencing games from the 70s. But like for the average person or average whatever grandmaster, I needed to be deeply rooted. I need to deeply. I need to understand that idea, especially to play it in a game against other top players. And he just scanned it effectively, played it. That's what I mean by it. he uploads it and or downloads it and just like fluently applies it. And that is just remarkable. Like that's not something I have not seen that. And that was before. only during halftime. And like, I mean, we were having, we were having beers as well. <laughs> we're watching basketball. No, I've, I've witnessed this. He'll drink on stream yeah. or he'll open with pawn a seven yeah. for kicks. No, yeah, like there, there's a few really good players who can play really well with drinks and it's understandable because well, I mean, they talk a bit about Bomber's Peak or having a couple drinks and just being relaxed and playing intuitively. And he's very good intuitively, but to just be able to like scan through stuff, it's like a AI or something a little bit and mm. apply it in its best case. So that was this year and like remarkable, remarkable talent uh, within chess. But he's very well read, you know, still. Like he does always find ways throughout the day that consumes something chess wise. Like Magnus will be the type to go to a, a bar where people are playing chess or a cafe. A 1200 might be playing and he will still look at that game. He, he cannot help it, but he'll look at the game and he might look for five seconds to see the position. But if there's something about that position that piques his interest, he will actually stay and watch and make it make sense in his own brain and maybe find a way to take good out of that, even mm -hmm. at that level. I think Amon noticed that, was that the first time you ever saw Magnus in person, 2013 Oslo Open? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, uh, you don't have to be 1200 
because when Magnus spectates your game, you feel like a 1200. Um, so before I knew Magnus, sweaty palms. Yeah, for sure. Before I knew him the way that I do now, he was just this sort of intimidating, not his persona, but just how strong he was. And just having him, I played a tournament with Eric in Norway and, uh, I was just playing like a, just a regular game, not like first board or no reason he should be paying attention to my game, but he just had his sweatshirt on and he's just rolling through the playing hall. He's not in the tournament. He's just checking out the games and just stopped at my board and looked at it. And I was like, Oh God, stop looking, stop looking. This is not my best. Uh, you don't want to see this. And I probably blundered like on the spot and yeah, it was just like really made me, made me nervous. That was the, I think one of the first times I'd ever, ever seen him in person. Because you had alluded to you watching, you know, maybe some of them on speed runs, and it's easy to watch, and then when you try to play it, it's hard. Right, right. And all the top chess players pretty much love chess, so we'll watch games, maybe even of amateurs. And what Magnus does remarkably is actually can apply and take something from from anything, from any sort of chess material, and turn it into something. Like, yeah, like it's that. That's just uh, remarkable, and I don't know how that works. That's the trick. Everybody can watch. Everybody likes to watch us almost, and, and it's just so hard to actually apply that and, and use it the way it's intended. For him, it's just fluent. There's a level of fluency there that he's built up a base of language so strong yes. he can add anything yes. to it. Yes, yes. Unlike my German. Oh. <laughs> For our listeners, how does one improve in chess? How do you get better? Looking at me for that one there. Uh, <laughs> we just hot potatoed that one right to you. As you may imagine, um, there's no more common question that, that I've uh, received in my life. So the fact that you're going to get a remote answer is already an improvement from you know thousands of people who've been turned away with a sarcastic remark on stream uh, when they ask this. like. 1200 how do i how do i break through yeah how do i get to 1500 or i'm a 2000 you know what should i do to improve just so many different ways to ask the, the same question and obviously if there was a pill you could uh, you could take or if i could package the answer and sell it on a shelf somewhere then uh, i would be very rich but it's uh, it's definitely not that simple because every Every chess player has things about the game that come naturally to them that they're good at. Maybe for Magnus, it's almost every aspect of the game, but you know, certain players will really just understand the concept of attacking the king. That's like really evident to them. So they don't need to practice this as much as someone else who maybe is for some reason an endgame expert. When there's no pieces on the board or there's very few pieces, it's more clear to them where they should move, whereas others are intimidated by the fact there's not a lot of pieces, and they're like, well, if I make the wrong move, it's suddenly it's very high stakes at the end of the game. So it's different for every player. You obviously want to focus on the areas that you're, you're weak at and improve them, but coaches help identify those, those weak areas. Nowadays, there's so many online resources that point out where you're weak and you know, they can run these like massive analyses of all your games and sort of pick out areas where you continuously fail or openings that always beat you and give you a hard time. But certainly one thing that stands out to me, maybe uh, against traditional values of 
coaches around the world is definitely to play a high volume of games online, but not to avoid the shorter time controls, which I think is a common like faux pas. Like, oh, and I, you know, you, you want to play your long games, your your uh, your rapid games. You want to have time on the clock. You don't want to mess around with things that rot your brain, like bullet chess or stuff like that. But ironically, that's that's a, an area and a specific time control that I give a lot of credit to for myself and probably Eric as well. When we improved a while back, uh, it was all from just spamming and being addicted to shorter time controls that, you know, techno music and bullet chess combo. It, it got us interested in the game and like addicted in a good way that you're not really going to put it down. And whenever I had success in these shorter formats like bullet like one minute chess or blitz three minute five minute chess whenever i was doing well in those online it would almost always translate to real over the board like classical pure success which is unusual but it was a direct very direct correlation for myself and i think eric as well so i give a lot of credit to that which is a little bit maybe not what most coaches will will tell you. I think now, I think things are trending a little bit more in that direction where just spamming a high volume of games and the more information you have to work with, even if it's not the best information, the more you can take out of it. Because I'm assuming, we're almost there right now, but I'm assuming there's gonna be very advanced ways to improve your chess coming if they're not here right around the corner where you just have like, you play a thousand games and you can analyze them as a group, uh, as a set together and just you always, you know, fail at this specific tactic or like this pawn structure you clearly don't understand because whenever you have a good position with this pawn structure, three moves later, 75% of your games, you have a worse position. So uh, I'm assuming there's gonna be a very like analytical approach to improving and analyzing your games pretty soon so maybe how to improve your chess might literally have an answer soon enough i've never actually been able to fully answer that question because it's such a such a difficult one per player i appreciate that and i know when i watched eric's bullet speed run it really helped me with pattern recognition uh, and i saw a bit of a bump after that and that was from passive potato chip eating <laughs> observing of others playing chess where you can get into this illusion of, oh yeah, I understand this, but I think I actually did take a lot away. Mm -hmm. um, Eric, anything to add? Just having a passion, like you, you find ways of studying or getting better that you enjoy. And I love playing, I love competing. So playing a high volume of games was never discouraging or an issue. And I think for a lot of players, it's the same way, but there are some people who are like, well, don't want to play all day, or maybe they don't have that competitive drive. So for me, getting a volume of games was very useful, but I wouldn't have been able to study with books. Like, I chose that because it's also how I enjoy consuming chess. And if you kind of find ways to do it in the way you enjoy consuming it, you know, maybe last longer in the game as a hobby, right? As opposed to burning out. So playing is very natural for me, and playing thousands and thousands of games was no problem, losing or winning enjoyed that and in general it's important for most young players to probably to do that and a lot of sports try to get them to, to play a lot and just develop at the right right pace but yeah there's definitely no one size fits all these days especially with how the game is sped up and the levels improved 
it feels like a lot of the players now are psychologically stronger too. They just like with computers, maybe it's brought in the type of moves, but also they've played everybody already. They have had an earlier opportunity to play good players, so the burden like oh like this guy is unbeatable. No, they've had a chance to face them earlier in life. The levels kind of improved everywhere. No matter what, you can't escape playing a lot and putting yourself out there and getting a ton of games in. Chess has moved in a direction now where, as opposed to 100 years ago, you'd had old coaches telling you how to study. This is how you do it. This is how they did it in Soviet Russia, whatever. Now it's opened up, and there are different ways of getting good. And it's there's many acceptable ways, and it's only there's only more acceptable ways than before, which is why we're seeing tons of improvement across the board by the average player because. Apps are being developed, games are being played easily. It's just the best time ever for somebody who wants to improve at chess. Their rating might not improve at the same level only because of the field improving, but that doesn't mean that the, the knowledge level, the average knowledge level and ability of a player has significantly increased in the last even five years. They didn't used to make 1200s the way they make them today. No, definitely no. not. No, no. <laughs> Get him out of here. Listening to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. We heard a clip from the film Searching for Bobby Fisher, Paramount Pictures, as well as a clip from an interview with the actual Bobby Fisher. Our intro music is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, editor in chief at listenmusicculture.com. Our techno underpinning and outro music is For the Boys by B Fine Media, a soundboard exclusive. Question for the podcast? Email me at info at steinway.com with the subject heading soundboard. Message me on Facebook at Steinway or hit me on the gram at Steinway and Sons. Subscribe to Soundboard on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, or wherever you pod your casts. Thank you for listening.